This is Jerry G. Martin. We are bringing you a powerful, impactful sermon series that we did on Father's Day. And I want you to listen in and come back every day. It's another element to this week's broadcast. We started off with my son and I standing in the pulpit talking about the father and the son relationship and responsibility to train and to receive wisdom. And then I took a moment to speak the father's blessing in the lives of my children. And I want to encourage every father that's listening to me to do the same. And then we spoke into the lives of those in our congregation who did not have a father in the home. We blessed them as well. And then we prayed for every man. Join us and listen in as we walk in the light of God's word. Someone told me yesterday, he said, I, I was a man trapped in a woman's body. I stayed there for nine months and I broke out. <laughs> I just thought I'd share that with you. But I want to talk this morning about legacy and the father's legacy and the blessing. Who you are today was put into motion long before you showed up. We have been influenced by those who came before us. And those who have come after us are influenced by us. We just don't seem to understand the nature of that influence. I was thinking, even thinking about Juneteenth, I thought about my great-grandfather who was born in slavery, but he moved to a place in Mississippi with some money he had gathered and bought a thousand acres. And in the 1860s, was instrumental in building North Hopewell Baptist Church on land that he donated. And the church is still there today. He was prosperous coming out of slavery in Mississippi. And his sons were prosperous. I went there in maybe when I was 15 years old. I'd never really been there to visit. And I was struck by them being cotton farmers, not with a mule and a plow, but with cotton combine machines in the 60s, in the middle of Jim Crow and segregation and all of that kind of stuff. They prospered. My father's brother was the first black man to be bonded in the state of Mississippi for business as a concrete contractor. But they were church folks. They loved God and they invested in church. I'm a church folk. What your forefathers do influence you today. I'm prosperous. That's not by accident. That's because they spoke that into our lives. In the middle of Jim Crow and segregation, my father said, nobody's going to hold you back but you. Make no excuses for your success. Don't blame the white man for what's happening to you. I think we miss that today. People still want to have a conversation about race. I'm thinking, we've been having conversations ever since I've been born. 
you need to do more than talk. You need to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps and make your own way. I thought I'd just throw that in. Because we don't hear that today, but that's what I used to hear as a little boy sitting in the barbershop from all the men that were there. Men, we have missed now the opportunity to impart and to implant into the lives of the next generation. So I want to talk about the legacy of the Father and the blessing of the Father. God is our Heavenly Father. Can you say amen about that? And the very first words that God spoke to Adam were a blessing. God blessed them and spoke into their lives. He said this in Genesis 1:28, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. God is our heavenly father. We are made in his image. God spoke a blessing and we can do the same. God has assigned the father to be the head of the family. I heard a couple of women say amen. That, men, this is, don't be scared. Say amen. God has designed the men to be the head of the family. Come on, men. Don't be scared. We're men. I don't like wimpy men. I like strong men. We got too many wimpy men. That's why things are like they are. I'm sorry. <laughs> but God has assigned men to be the head of the family as Christ is the head of the church. Christ is not reserved about being the head of the church. He ain't saying, I, I, I don't want to act like I'm running things. He said, I'm the head. You're the body. And so we should serve the family in the way that Christ served the church. Christ served the church as prophet, priest, and king. As prophet, the father speaks from God to his family. As priest, he speaks to God for his family. And as king, he governs, qualifying himself to lead by his willingness to serve his children. Fathers are to be esteemed. They are to be respected. They are to be good stewards. And fathers, as a result, will be greatly rewarded. There is a problem in fatherhood today. And that's a direct result of manhood. So there's a difference between malehood and manhood. So you're born into malehood. You got to be made into manhood. So every male is not a man. The problem of fatherhood has led in part to the present problems in our families and in our culture. You can look at the current generation this generation of American teenagers have been less healthy, less cared for, or less prepared for life than their parents were. One juvenile court judge said this, young people today lack the basic skills of reading, writing, and arithmetic. They are illiterates, not because they're ignorant, but because they are educationally handicapped. They are not properly taught or properly motivated yeah. 
or properly guided. The findings of two national studies paint a picture of today's young adults. It says, it's a generation that knows less, cares less, votes less, and is less critical of its leaders and institutions than young people in the past. It is not that these young adults are disillusioned, they are uninterested. So the greatest mission for men today is not to correct what is wrong in adults, but to teach and to reach what is right in children and youth. So when our values and goals are not taught in the home, where will our children find them? Fathers, our ministry and our charge is to invest in the future of your children. We're not just to have them, we are to invest in them. Don't be deceived into thinking that institutions or media made role models will teach our children. The rap artist is teaching your children, even if you're not. The athletes are teaching your children, but there is no athlete that is a role model for me or my children. There's no entertainer that's a role model for me or my children. Don't follow them. Movie stars, they're not role models for me or my children. You ought to be the role model for your children, and you are. They may not do what you say, but they're going to do what you do. They know you play in church when you come home from church. They saw you at church acting like you were holy and living like the devil at home. They saw that. I ain't talking about y'all. I'm talking about some other folks at another church I used to be at. The home is the place where these values and morals are to be planted into the lives of children. And it's not going to take us long to recognize that we've just about lost a generation. When a child sleeping in his bed gets shot by somebody driving through the neighborhood shooting at random. When people get mad because somebody cut them off on the freeway and then going to shoot in the car where they're children. We've lost a, a generation. So men, we cannot allow the wisdom or the experience and the knowledge we have to die with us without passing it on. We have to invest in those spiritual, physical, and material resources that God has given us and make every effort to incorporate them into the lives of our young people. So I'm going to share with you from the scriptures where Solomon speaks into the life of his son and therefore in the lives of his children. In fact, I'm glad to have my son with me today, Jared. I understand he was here last Sunday filling in. So I'm going to ask him to come up and we're going to share from this scripture. In the book of Proverbs chapter 4, Solomon writes this and he says, Listen, my son, to a father's instructions. Pay attention and gain understanding. I give you sound learning, so do not forsake my teachings. Now, let's look at that again. He says, listen, my son. That assumes that the father is going to do some direct, intentional speaking 
to his son. I know it's convenient today to just give the kids a device to look at and give them a tablet and an iPad and a phone and a, something to look at so you ain't got to fool with them. And that keeps them quiet so then you're happy so you can watch TV. But we only have a short window with which to invest in the lives of your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren because if the seed is in your son, it's going to be carried on. Listen, my son, to a father's instructions. Do you give your children instructions? Not just fussing at them when they do wrong, but tell them the right way to go. And he's asking, pay attention and gain understanding. I'm giving you the benefit of my life lessons. I may have messed up in some areas, so I know what I'm talking about, and you're going to travel the same road, and I want to be sure that you have the benefit of the knowledge that I have gained so it will help you as you move forward. I'm going to give you some sound learning, what I have learned. And he says, do not forsake my teaching. Listen to me. Don't forsake it. The son is probably not going to be that excited about hearing from you when he's in the house. But he didn't say take a poll and see if they're going to be excited about it. He says it is your assignment. It is your job. It is the most critical thing you can ever do in your life to teach them so that you have a man in your family when they grow up and they can be responsible and they can take care of. If your son is still laying around in your house at 28 years old, you didn't do a good job when he was eight. Because if you train them and teach them and work them like they need to be worked, they're going to get on up out of there. As soon as they are legally able they say, I'm 18, I'm a man. I say, that's, uh, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> but if he still want to lay around there until 11 o'clock in the morning, you didn't do a good job. Yeah. You get him up with the dawn. Say, it's daytime, let's get busy. He's going to be looking for a way out. <laughs> He'll learn that scripture and say, God said for every temptation, he will make a way for you to escape. Jared, come talk to us about the next verse. Uh, when my dad asked me to come and share with him, I was really honored. If anything, I think one of the defining probably um, themes of our relationships and the things that I've, I've gotten from him over the years uh, is wisdom. So I was really happy when this was the passage that he picked. So in, in verse 3, when I was a boy in my father's house, still tender and only, and, and only child of my mother, he taught me and said, lay hold of my words with all of your heart. Keep my commands and you will live. Get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forsake my wisdom or swerve from them. Do not forsake wisdom and she will protect you. Love her and she will watch over you. Wisdom is supreme. Therefore, get wisdom. Though it costs you all you have, get understanding. So Solomon's actually writing this. Uh, it's actually David who, who he's talking about in, in Scripture. And, and there's three points I want to pull out from this passage. Number one, it says, lay hold of my words 
with all of your heart. Lay hold of my words with all of your heart. Uh, What he's trying to communicate is that a heart for wisdom is actually cultivated. I'm I'm young, so you don't actually have to listen to really anything that I say this morning because I don't know anything about parenting. I'm just tasting the first fruit of of being an adult and a human being and being mildly successful. But I would say one of the responsibilities of, of a father is to cultivate a heart of understanding and a desire for wisdom uh, in their child. And for children, the, the responsibility is to have a heart that is malleable, that will take wisdom. So he starts off right off the top saying, wisdom actually starts with the heart. It's not just the dissemination of information. It's not me getting preachy. It's not me getting teachy and just telling my kids off. It's actually a heart that I have developed and cultivated in my children over time. Keep my commands and you will live. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Do not forget my words. Do not forsake wisdom. She will protect you. Love her and she will watch over you. Get wisdom. So so the phrase that he actually uses, the reason why he goes on to say, though it costs all you have, get understanding, is because the word get there is actually a transactional word. It's actually a word to, to make an investment or do something with money. It is a transactional word in the original language. And what he's saying is that wisdom will actually cost you something. Wisdom costs the giver something. It costs uh, time. It costs uh, consistency. It costs you the attention, just like my father was talking about, to develop and cultivate a heart for wisdom. But it also costs something to receive it. The way of wisdom sometimes isn't always easy. Sometimes you learn wisdom as you work on something really hard. Sometimes you learn wisdom from disappointment. Sometimes you learn wisdom from situations that aren't ideal, but they birth a wisdom and a resolve inside of you. So how did this play out in my father's life, in our relationship? I would say one of the main things that my dad taught me which is probably unsurprising to you guys, is how to work. It's how to work. And not like cool type of work. I know a lot of times, like, my generation's like, oh, man, like, this is the music that my kids are going to be listening to because they had clean-up music on Saturday mornings. There was no clean-up music in the Martin house. We didn't have, when we had summer breaks, it felt like we never had a summer break because when my dad woke up, he would wake us up. And I'm trying to sleep. He's like, okay, you got to come up to the church. I'm like, I don't work at the church. I didn't ask for a job for the church. I didn't submit an application to the church. But <laughs> this is my summer break. He's like, nope, you got to get up. You got to work. So what my dad actually did, I didn't realize it at the time, was he created forums for, for him to teach me about work. As a kid, the, the first place that he really started teaching me about work was the flower bed. That was it. And I thought that my dad was just trying to get me to do the stuff that he didn't want to do. Which is 100% what was happening. That is 100%. Like, no doubts about it. He was getting as many benefits as he could out of it. I was, I was kind of a spacey kid. I, I'd get distracted really, really easily and just get bored really easily. 
And I'd get in the flower bed, and it would take me like three hours to clean a flower bed. And then you come inside, and I'm like, hey, Dad, can, can you come look at it? And then he'd be like, son, there's like, what, did, what have you even been doing out here? He's like, what is going, going on? There's like weeds everywhere, like that one, that one, that one, that one. And I would get, I would get all upset and so on and so forth, and I'd come inside. And then, and then he started, just like he talked about finding scriptures, he would find scriptures to tell me to go back to work. <laughs> so I'd be like, Dad, there was like bees and wasps outside, and they almost like landed on me. And he's like, hmm, Proverbs said, the lazy man says there was a lion in the field. No, 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 I need to rest. He's like, a little sleep, a little slumber. A little folding of the hands, and poverty will pounce on you. So, so, but then over time, he, he would say stuff to me. He would teach me. He'd say, hey, son, you do know that the faster you do this and the more thoroughly you do this, then you don't have to be outside when it's 103 degrees. And then I'd say, okay, like, yeah, that's kind of, that's true. Like, if I just went in and just knocked it out, then I can just get back to my life and doing what I, what I want to do. I didn't know that once I got good at that, there was going to be other things that came after it. Right? As soon as I was tall enough, I was cutting the grass. And then that became a conversation. Every, every couple of weeks, we needed to cut the grass when, when, it was, when it was rainy season. And at first, it was like, hey, son, you better make sure you, you cut the grass. I need it cut by the time I'm home. And then that was the thing. Like, if I didn't get it cut by time at home, I was going to get cut by time he got home. And, and then over time, what happened was I became a, a good worker. My dad trusted me. And, and I knew what my responsibilities were and, and what was supposed to happen. He didn't have to tell me every two weeks to cut the grass. And I was able to do it on my own terms, my own time. And then when it got a little bit too high, he might say, hey, son, whenever you get a chance, you know, cut the grass whenever you get a chance. And I'd say, okay, cool. And I'd fit it into my schedule. And he was teaching me how I can take on responsibilities, live my life, and still tend to the things of the home uh, that I needed to and, and be a really hard and faithful worker. For every parent, what your, what, what, your, what your role is, what your job is, you are cultivating those areas where you can sit and spend time and teach your child about the, the, the wisdom that God has given you and transfer that wisdom. And like I said, it will cost you, but the cost will be well worth it. Yeah, I remember when Jared got as tall as the garbage can, it became his job to take the garbage out. I could do that, but I'm giving him an assignment. Your job every week is to set out the garbage can and to pick it up and bring it back. I don't know why parents think, well, that's, I don't want to put all that on my child. He's so little. Now, if you're young enough to mess up, you're young enough to clean up. This is Jerry G. Martin. I certainly hope that you've enjoyed this broadcast. We encourage fathers to speak into the lives of their children and build up their children. Now, I know that there are a lot of families out here where there's no father in the home. You are also hearing a special occasion where I prayed for and spoke into the lives of the three children that God has blessed us with, Jasmine, Jessica, and Jared. And I spoke what I believe God wants to fulfill in their lives. Fathers, take some time. Speak into their lives and let them receive the Father's blessing that's been so significant in scriptures to guiding the lives of your children. There was a special time of prayer for those who did not have fathers in the home. 
if you didn't have a father, it affected you. And the church stood in and spoke the blessing into the lives of all of those who did not have the father in their lives to speak for them. If you would like to hear today's message in its entirety, go to our podcast at The Light of the World Daily with Jerry G. Martin. You can listen to today's message as well as previous messages that you've heard on this station. If you're looking for a Bible bookstore in the city, we have one right here on our campus, the Beacon Bookstore, where you can get books, Bibles, church supplies, communion supplies, or whatever you need. Call us at 281-441-2885. Again, that's 281-441-2885. Join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. We're at 16161 Old Humble Road. Come and join us and exercise the faith that God has already given you so that you can learn how to move forward and go to the place that God has in store for you. This is Jerry G. Martin saying, may the Lord our God bless you and we'll be with you again next time.